Okay, folks, let's do it. Screen time. It's time for screen time. Movies, streaming, and everything in between. I'm Gary Tangway, along with my friend Drew Yano. I'm very excited about this episode, as I was with the Michael Keaton episode, because Drew is all geeked out for this one. And I love movies, and I love to be in movies, and I love to write movies. And um, But Drew has just this vault, this knowledge of information when it comes to film that I just do not have. And it is pertinent to today's topic, which is the great Barry Levinson, the writer and director. And one of the things I do want to emphasize is his writing, because I think that that's underrated. I think his directing is well known. He's also been very involved as an executive producer. But Drew, you know, I know that you're a writer, you're a published author, you've sold screenplays. What is it about, before we get into the individual Barry Levinson films, because there's really some great ones to talk about. What is it about his work that you were so enamored with? Well, he says it himself. Whenever he writes a movie or directs a movie, it's all about characters. It's about the characters. And, you know, to me, plot comes out of character. You can't have a plot without character. And he loves characters and he creates great characters and you know, you go back to his original diner, which we'll talk about in a minute. I mean, he, he just creates phenomenal characters. So you have phenomenal characters. You tend to have phenomenal dialogue and he writes fabulous dialogue. Um, so I think that's it. it. And story just evolves that. No, people said about diner, there's no story there. It's not about anything. And he said, exactly. It's about six guys sitting around <laughs> in a diner talking, but that's wrong because it is. And I even wrote about it in my book the third act about writing the third act of a movie um, about it it is more than just about nothing. Oh, sure. I mean, it's, it's about, it's about uh, the, can you pass the test of the Baltimore Colts? And we'll get to that. Um, uh, Which to me is kind of like a great thing on a page 90. That's what I always think of the diner. I think the rising action in diner is like the test. Now they're going to get married. That, you know, does she pass the test with the Baltimore Colts? So well, I'll get all screenplay writing with you. And Diner's one of the f- modern multi-protagonist films. People call them ensemble films, but it's really a multi-protagonist film. And it's multi-protagonist because most films have one protagonist, one hero. It's the hero's journey. Multi-protagonist, there's a group of people. No one is the main character, but the story's told around an event, so this has a beginning, middle, and end because there's an event. So you think of like Ocean's Eleven, or, you know, a lot of movies, Big Chill, there's, there's a million of them. Diners was about the wedding, right? It ends at the wedding, right? right? And it's how all these guys come to realize things about themselves because of this wedding. But anyway. Okay, that, well, let's talk, well, and let's start with talking about Diner because I think that's what Barry Levinson is known for. Uh, and... Just so if, if so, people understand my reference, Steve Gutenberg, I believe, is a Baltimore Colts fan. And in order for him to get married or for he, he says, in order for me to marry this young woman, she has to pass a test on Baltimore Colt trivia. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's what we're dealing with. It's brilliant. And the father's it's, in on it. And they're all sitting there at the end when the test right. happens. And it's, right. it's great. And she fails, by the way. Yeah. But, but it's a techni- technical error but anyway i'm not gonna ruin it for people right but anyway so in leading up to it it's guys meeting at a diner so give us some background on diner drew because you know an awful lot about the movie 
Well, background on Barry Levinson first. He, he was a writer. He, he worked with Mel Brooks on High Anxiety in another one of his movies. And he told Brooks a story about the guys he used to hang out with in the diner. And Brooks said, you should write a movie about it. And so he eventually did. He wrote it very fast. And he based it on the guys he was he used to hang around with, but it's not exact. And he, he got... He wrote the screenplay, gave it to the producer, a guy named John, last name's Johnson. He, uh, he brought it to, uh, I think it was MGM, and they right away wanted to make it for $5 million. Not a lot of money, even then. And they set out to find the right guys. And so casting was huge. And Steve Gutenberg was there. Mickey Rourke, first big role. And, you know, everybody thought he's going to be, you know, Robert De Niro after this. Right. Um, Daniel Stern. Daniel Stern. Phenomenal. Um, who else? Uh, oh, Kevin Paul Bacon. Reiser. Kevin Bacon. I'll tell them about Paul Reiser. Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon, who was on a soap opera. And right. got this audition after he decided not to renew with the soap opera and got the part. But he wanted to play a couple of the other parts. But he got Fenwick, the, the, the kid in the racing car and the alcoholic, obviously. Tim Daly is in this. Yep. And, and then the Paul, Paul Reiser tells the story of how Paul Reiser came to the audition, not to, uh, to audition for a party, came with his friend who auditioned and they heard his voice and said, you should look at him. The casting director said, so Levinson did and they loved him and he became model. And then he built up his part as a result of him. And Reiser said, he didn't know anything about being an actor. He was a comic, but it was the kind of comedy, you know, the, the story was like his kind of comedy guy sitting around talking. Right. Right. And I wonder how much ad living there was with Reiser. A lot, apparently. So, but he would set it up. Levinson would set it up. The amazing thing is they, they filmed it mostly at night. There's only a couple of scenes in the daylight. It's when Mickey Rourke goes after the girl on the horseback. Um, and uh, they shot all the scenes except the diner scenes till the end because they wanted the guys to get to know each other. And they shot it. <laughs> and by then they knew each other. And so all of that stuff is sort of, it, yeah, it's, it's snappy, but it's they have a rapport because they know each other and they all became really good friends as a result of it. The weird thing is Diner, the studio hated it, didn't want to release it. They weren't going to release it, but the producer's mother was friends with Pauline Kale, the famous movie reviewer for The New Yorker. She saw a cut, loved it, and called the studio and said, you better release it because I'm going to write a rave review. And she did, and I forget who else did, uh, Rolling Stone, which was, right. that's when I first heard about it. And they released it in one theater in New York, where it played, I think, for a year. One theater. And it went crazy. Cult. And then it came to Boston, and I remember when it came to Boston, because I kept waiting for this movie to get there. Like, when's this movie coming? I'd see the previews and stuff, and it's like, this is fantastic. Uh, it obviously became pretty iconic. Uh, he got nominated for an Academy Award for... Uh, writing um but anyway one of my favorites it's 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 an all-time favorite and it paved the way for multi-protagonist films like the big chill well um, you mentioned about the multi-protagonist because when we wrote on our first script together you had to remind me because my or say gare you know you got a lot of characters here which was a script that we wrote called the collectors which was about the guys that collected in church in my hometown yeah uh if anybody wants to buy it, make it into a movie, feel free to give us a call. Uh, but uh, anyways, it is five very million. hard. You can make it for $5 million. Cheap. Oh, oh my God, easily. 
uh, it is very difficult to do because it's interesting at first, when I look back on it, I think that Mickey Rourke is the main character. And then I go, well, wait a minute, is Tim Daly the main character? And then you go, well, is Gutenberg the main yeah. character? Creepy. It, you know? Yeah. Who, who and is and you know what the main character is? The diner. It's the, well, it's the diner and the fact that there's going to be a wedding. And the wedding, the event. It's the, it's no. the diner and the wedding. He, he's the second guy to get married because Shrevey's already married. And if you look at all of them, they're all at some stage of right. women relationship, you know, Billy, played by Tim Daly, wants to marry the woman he's impregnated. She don't. She won't marry him. Uh, Boogie is, you know, you know, nailing anything that moves. Fenwick is just bouncing around. Right. And, you know, Paul Reiser's character, you never see him with a woman or talk about him, hear him talk about a woman. It's it's pretty wild. But anyway. Uh, so Tim, where do you want to go next? Do you want to go to Liberty Heights next? Because it's the Baltimore theme? Because I think that's one of his underrated movies. It is. I'm, you know, it's, I'm not a, as big a fan of Liberty Heights as I am of the others. It's more serious because I, I like, well, Rayman, of course, is serious. But well, well I think here's a, here's a good discussion point. I like Liberty Heights better than Tin Man. You like Tin Man better than Liberty Heights. Yeah, no question. No question. Yeah. Tin Men, for anybody who hasn't seen it, it's one of those ones where I don't think most people see it. I've seen it. I mean, um, it's the second in his trilogy, which is. At, well, there's Avalon because he actually did four. Right. Avalon and Liberty Heights. It, the, the, it's about the competing <laughs> aluminum salesman sign, salesman in 1962 Baltimore, and he or 63 Baltimore, and he he says they were at the diner, just like he and his friends were. He never knew them, but he would hear them talking, and that's how he got the idea to write Tin Men. Which and the aluminum siding in 1963 was a big deal. Big deal. I know. My father bought it. We had it. It turned our house into a a microwave oven. You know, it was before they put the vents on. Yeah. So they got to be 85 degrees. It was about 105 in our house. Uh, but yeah, Tin Men's one of my favorites. Danny DeVito, Richard Dreyfuss, and you who love character actors. There's oh, got loaded with them. Character actors I can name off the top of my head: Bruno Kirby, Michael Tucker, Seymour Cassell. Who's the guy? Um, uh, John Jackie Mahone. Walsh, Jackie. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jackie Gale. Jackie yes. Gale. Jackie Gale. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's the guy. He's Jackie Gale. He's the guy always talking about. He, boy, you can really do a moringa. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's the guy. Yeah. So, and it's kind of a wacky, you know plot he, he, he smashes his he, devito smashes his car into dreyfus's, dreyfus's. And, and dreyfus decides to get back at him by stealing his right. wife and you're thinking ah. but the back and forth is hysterical and uh, well one of the the actors that i feel has been forgotten because he doesn't really work anymore and i believe that's by his choice is dreyfus you know i'm, I'm i a, don't know i am a i mean the goodbye girl and then in diner and, you know, Mr. Holland's opus is not a dry eye in a house. Uh, you know, Dreyfus to me is just, oh, and Jaws. I forget about him. I forget Jaws. about him. Jaws. And Jaws, Jaws, you know? So that's, you're right. It's great characters. And even the guys in Diner, when you take a look at the cast, Daly's a leading man. Bacon, who I've heard him on Pat podcast say they wanted him to be a leading man, but he's really a character actor. He's a character actor. And if you look at, he has leading man looks and persona, yeah. but 
but he chooses character work, I yeah. think. Um, you know, Mickey Rourke, a leading man, those guys, you know, those were, they were all character actors at the time. Uh, and that's why it works so well. Um, but Joe Montana and Liberty Heights, I thought was great. Yeah. You know, it, it is, a, that he, is a he's that favorite actor of mine too. He, he was great. And that is a more serious movie. Yeah. Um, but Dreyfus and DeVito get, check it out, Tin Men. So Liberty Heights, um, Tin Men and uh, Diner. Uh, what are your top, what, where else do you want to go? You want to go to Rain Man now? We got a top of yeah, Because Rain. to me, it's iconic. It's one of my top 10 favorite films, probably top 15. Um, you know, I, think of, you say Rain Man, people joke about it. They, they, you know, how many times have you heard somebody say, I'm an excellent driver? Right. 10 Wapner. minutes from Wapner, right? Um, just a phenomenal, he, now, Levinson didn't write it. Ron Bass, who was a, Hollywood uh, entertainment lawyer rewrote a script by a guy named Barry Morrow. In the original script, Dustin Hoffman's character is Down syndrome and not autistic. And so he went to Levinson and said, here's the problem. You know, Cruz's character is so damaged at the beginning of the movie and he doesn't care that he has a brother and he's mean to the guy. And he said, you know, if he's mean to the Down syndrome guy, it, the people are going to hate him. Yeah. You can't make them hate him. They have to understand why Rain Man is, is pissing him off. And so he had a friend who had somebody in the family who was autistic, and he learned a lot about it. And so he suggested it, and it changed everything. It made the movie, as far as I'm concerned. Well, it did, and I agree with you, because what I when I take a look at writing – and, and it's so hard now. It's like we talk about streaming and this is a topic for down the road. You know, you try to look for something new and fresh. And now it's hard because there is so much. There is so much content out there. It's impossible to come up with something new. I just, it's, it's so it's, hard now. It's, it's really hard. hard now because if you like detective series or mystery or horror, I mean, kind of it's you know it's been done it's been done you know so it's it's like that's why succession is just and you could even say like succession is nothing more than dynasty it is but it's advanced and it's heightened um but it's really hard to do so my point is when you and i are watching a film or watching a tv series for us to be surprised it's hard but the use of, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to just assume people have seen it. And if you haven't, you should see Rain Man. But when you learn later that Rain Man is actually Raymond. Right. I just, it kills me every time. Well, it, it also has one of the best third acts in cinema history because Tom Cruise's character has such a great arc. It's right yeah. up there with Ebenezer Scrooge. And at the end, he loves his brother and it's all believable. Yeah. Because of his relationship with his father and the fact that he never knew he had the brother. And I won't ruin the movie for people who haven't seen it, because if you haven't seen it, you better watch it, because it's one of the all-time greats. I I always say, Hoffman won the Academy Award for Best Actor. Cruz had the harder part, as far as I was concerned. And um, it's such a great third act. You know, it's satisfying and surprising and not happy but satisfying right what realistic it's what has to happen and just a, a phenomenal story um 
and Levinson did a great job. And by the way, he was an actor in it because he plays the doctor near the end who gets hired to evaluate Raymond and whether or not he should go back to, you know, Walbrook or whatever the name of the place right. was or, or stay with his brother. And he asked the famous question. So do you want to stay with your brother, Charlie, or do you want to go back to Walbrook? Yes. He says yes to both. And then we right. know. So anyway, right. but it's a terrific, it's a terrific film. Um, won four Academy Awards. I mean, yeah. like I said, it's iconic. You can watch it now. Is it dated? Yeah. Anything without a cell phone and Facebook and a computer is dated today. Right. You know, he's making phone calls from a phone booth. It's dated. But you know what? So is Casablanca. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. So what? Right. Agreed. So what? So as long as you know it. Um, but again, Levinson, you mentioned before Liberty Heights, The Natural. He, he directed The Natural. I know. Good morning, Vietnam. My God. Well, that's another one I'm now. You, you, when you take a look at like Good Morning Vietnam, to me, Diner was like a cult hit, a cult following that just yes. grew in popularity over time. But when you say Rain Man and Good Morning Vietnam, those are blockbusters. And mm-hmm. they're blockbusters who also happen to be a comedy, uh, a there's drama, but there's a also dramatic story. Dramatic story is comic. But it's not, but it's not Spider-Man. No, no. Right? So this was a time where you could develop human stories, very human stories, and they could be blockbusters. And both were. And, and that brings us back to the title of our podcast, which is, you know, movies, streaming, and everything in between, because streaming is doing that again. Because you can have a series like we talked about, The Old Man, you know, Dope Sick, all that stuff. And it's rich with character. And people love it because they want to binge those episodes. And the other good thing about streaming, and it's perfect because we talk about these three movies, which are old movies. You know, here's what streaming's done. Streaming isn't just for the new, you know, TV series that are coming out. It, It can be movies. And old movies. And what do you do when you have a streaming service? You press that remote, you press the microphone and say, diner. And it pops up and you can either watch it for free or it'll cost you two ninety nine, and you can watch it. You don't have to go to Blockbuster. You don't have to get in the car. You don't have to play. That's the beauty of streaming now. You don't have to wait for it to come on Million Dollar Movie as we used to do when we were kids. You don't have to wait for it to be on HBO. Right. It's, you can stream it. And you know, I, you rem- I, I, what I love about this podcast is we can remind people of movies that they should take a look at again, I think. If they've only seen Man movies, is one of them. Rain Man's one and, of them. Diner's one of them. And Good Morning Vietnam to talk. I want to, another thing with those two, because it was interesting. You know, I saw an interview with John Cryer. He was on the Howard Stern Show. And John Cryer, of course, was, um, well, he was in Peggy Suga Married. And then he later was the brother um, with Charlie Sheen, Two and a Half Men. And wasn't yeah. he in 16 Candles? Was he what? I think he was in 16 Candles. Too, 16 right? Candles. I'm sorry. I, I got it wrong. But yeah, but anyways. Um, yeah, not Peggy Sue got married. That was Nicolas Cage. 16 Candles. Um, and he talked about how he read for Chandler on Friends. Huh. And he said, I mean, is there anybody else but Matthew Perry who could have played Chandler on Friends? And there isn't. So when I look at Rain Man and when I look at Good Morning Vietnam, I go Rain Man. Now, maybe there is someone else who could have played Hoffman's role. I don't know. He was so damn good at it. 
And he was hot as an actor at that time. Yeah, so well, he was very hot. You yeah, get the, you get all the best scripts. When you're the hottest actor in Hollywood, you get all the best scripts. So he wasn't going to let this one go by him because it was right. too good. Because, but I don't know, you know, maybe I'm trying to think of another actor. Of, you know, could could a could a William Defoe or could a, a you know today could a Brian Cranston or could a I don't know even a Robert Downey Jr. I think who has displayed terrific range in various aspects. Could they have done something like that? Maybe, but there is no one who could have played Adrian Cronauer but Robin Williams. Yeah, nobody. No one. I mean, no and again, chance. And I've got to tell you, one of the things about Levinson as a director is casting. Casting, just absolutely. He just can cast. And, and Diner is an example to me because these people were essentially unknown then. Right. They were Ellen Barkin. We even mentioned the great Ellen Barkin, who was Ruby's right. wife. I mean, she put together a phenomenal cast, and he did it again in Rain Man and Tin Men. You might not, you know, might not like it as much as you know some others, but those character actors just made the movie because they were the they were the salesmen. You believe these guys were Tin Men. So now we go from great dialogue, which is not only comedic but dramatic from Rain Man to Diner. But then you go to real comedy to me, which when you go from Good Morning Vietnam, which obviously had dramatic overtones, but, and, and, and you know, who much of it, how much, <laughs> it was probably a lot of it was Robin Williams off the top of his head, you know, just sure. you know, cut loose. I'm sure it was. Um, he was an uncredited writer on Tootsie. And well, analyze this, yeah. analyze this is phenomenal yep i mean crystal and de niro and who knew de niro could do comedy we'll we'll talk tootsie someday because there's another phenomenal film i mean it stands up today because of theme it's it's a theme-based film it's comic as hell and you can just watch it as that but there's theme there and and it's brilliant and you know whenever you see uncredited writer you it's good and bad because you're like, well, did he write my favorite line? Did he write right, right, that, right, right. That, that great scene? You know, this scene, I, I won't say in Tootsie that is, you know, reveals the theme. Did he write that? It wouldn't shock me if he did. Well, I wonder because of his relationship with Hoffman, if Hoffman said, you know, Hoffman had something to do with that. I mean, I mean who knows? I don't know. But I think that's one of the things that people think Barry Levinson as a director, but his writing is just tremendous. We'll get to more of that in a minute. But analyze this and analyze that was okay. I mean, you know, it was a sequel, but analyze this just, you know, when Billy Crystal and Robert De Niro are going into church and, you know, Robert's Catholic and Crystal, obviously his, his character is Jewish and they go up to the, uh, uh, they go up to the blessed water, the holy water. And, you know, De Niro does the sign of the cross and Crystal takes and splashes it on the back of his neck because, you know, he's sweating, you know, it's um, just, I, if you had told me before Robert De Niro was going to make a comedy with Billy Crystal, I would have said you're out of your mind. It's not going to work. I mean, I don't remember De Niro doing comedy before that. Well, he did Midnight Run. I don't know. If was Midnight that before? Was the, oh, he, no, he did. Yeah. But you know, I don't know if that was before or after. That was, was before, before that. No, that's a good this. point by you. But, you know, even in Midnight Run, here's the thing that I guess you're right. I guess if you compare <laughs> the this, was on Midnight Run. 
What's that? <laughs> I could do two shows on Midnight Run. Oh, Midnight Run. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I got two words for you. Shut the fuck up. I mean, it's with a classic. And Groden, you know, maybe that's the point. I'm glad you brought that up, too, because maybe that's the point, is that De Niro to Groden, right, and Midnight Run is the same thing as De Niro to Billy Crystal and Analyze This. And it's the same thing, if you think about it, as Tom Cruise and Hoffman in Rain Man. Yeah, yeah, or yeah, or De Niro when he you're, you're talking phenomenal actors playing against each other, across from each other, whatever you wanted to say. Yeah, but anyway, back to Barry Levinson. Just wanted to do this, and before you know, we go, can we talk? And we probably talked a little too long, but I, I want to talk about just real quick. Executive producer of The Perfect Storm, which was shot up here in Massachusetts with Clooney and Wahlberg, produced Donnie Brasco. He's the executive producer of City on the Hill, which is set in Boston. Kevin Bacon is in it. Uh, He was an executive producer on Dope Sick, directed a couple episodes with Michael Keaton. Uh, And the other thing I wanted to mention to wrap it up is, And Justice for All is one of my favorite movies ever. And he wrote that. And when you take a lot of water... Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, you know, I mean, my God, the courtroom scene for Injustice for All, just everything from, and again, folks, you got to watch if you haven't seen it. Jack Ward, the suicidal judge, he's in the John, he's on the hopper, he's got the gun and he can't reach the trigger because he's trying to blow his head off with a shotgun while sitting down on the toilet. He he goes, Hoffman goes, I mean, not Hoffman, but um, Pacino goes out in a helicopter with Jack Ward and then they, he he has a game where he sees how far he can go, but before he runs out of gas and they crash. Um, just it, the, 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 you're out of order. You know, the jury's not going to get that man. The judge is not going to get that man. I'm going to get that man because he's fucking guilty. It is one of the greatest courtroom speeches ever written. It's, he wrote it again. So anybody who's watching this, go online, go to IMDb, type in Barry Levinson, see all the things he did. Start streaming some of these things because, you know, again, movies are getting lost now because they're not making them. The right. theater's going to be, I predicted it a while ago, it's going to be deader than a doornail. It's, it, but you can see a movie on Netflix yeah. or Prime, but it's so wide open now. So you kind of lose what we had before, which was everybody went to the damn movies. So, folks, Diner, Rain Man, and Good Morning Vietnam. Start with those three. For Giuliano and Gary Tagwick. This has been Screen Time, uh, movies, streaming, and everything in between.